I have a favor to ask as we kick off this new three-part series that we're doing right now. I just ask right now if you will just do me this favor and clap slowly. Very good. Very good. Thank you. Wasn't that fun? Uh, well, we're, in, we're doing a series right now that we're launching called Golden. Golden stands for this idea of the golden rule, which the golden rule, you may remember from childhood, is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Absolutely. Now, I remember the first time I realized I was told this phrase came from Jesus Christ. Look at how Jesus words it in Matthew 7. So in everything that you do, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up all of the law and the prophets. This is everything. Jesus sums it all up and says, if you do to others as you would have them do unto you, you've got it. You've nailed it. Now here's what a lot of us don't realize. We don't realize that there's a part to this that actually shows how significant it is to all of us. It literally translates in a plural form. This is how the golden rule actually reads if you do it literally from the Greek. Here's how it translates. So in everything, do to others what you all, or I, I've joked before, Buffalonians, use guys, plural, would have them do to you all. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Now, why is this so significant? Because if you don't do unto others as you would have them to do unto all of us, you hurt everyone more than you realize. Now, I know I've heard some of you say, I'm pretty independent. I'm a lone ranger. Well, you're really not a lone ranger, and I, can, I just proved it, because all I asked you to do was clap slowly. But what did you do? You joined in with you all. Notice, we are wired to join in. Now, I know you want to go against the tread, and I get that, and there are times we, Jesus calls us to be separate, but be separate from the ways of the world together. We are wired to do life together. You see, as we kick off the busyness of back to school and some of you in new work schedule and your life is back to some forms of normalcy, and it's so good to see so many of you today. And I know we're going to have to add a second service very quickly, I can tell, just so we can stay socially distanced. But I got to tell you, as we think this through, we, we've got to continue to get the people side really, really right. I know we're, there's a lot of separation right now, but we really are still forever wired to be together. And so we thought it'd be very important as we get back into some forms of normalcy to just have three weeks where we talk about how do you do unto others as you do unto to you. In other words, how can you live the golden life? So as you could figure out, there would be 5,000 topics. We could talk about golden and how to treat others well forever. Really, there are that many topics. 
So we pick three. And the first one that we're going to address today is one that is really interesting and very complicated. But I'm telling you, if we get this one right, it would cover a multitude of sins very quickly. To introduce what the theme is and the topic, it's this. I have a poem that I want to read to you, or a riddle, if you will, however you want to see it. See if you can figure out what it is. I have no respect for justice. I maim without killing. I break hearts and ruin lives. The more I am quoted, the more I am believed. My victims are helpless. They cannot protect themselves against me because I have no face. To track me down is impossible. The harder you try, the more elusive I become. I am nobody's friend. I topple governments, wreck marriages, ruin careers. I make headlines and headaches. Even my own name hisses. Listen to me, for I am gossip. Gossip is something that we are all susceptible to. I mean, you just look at headline news. Why is it, what gets the headlines? It's gossip at its core. Did you hear what so-and-so did? It's all about spreading the news about somebody else's story. I mean, if you want someone's attention, all you have to do is say, I shouldn't tell you this. They will lean in to listen to you. And I've got to ask the question, why does the phrase, it's none of my business, always end with the word, but? I'm going to continue on in this because I want to hear more of what's going on. I mean, we've all been there. You get a little piece of juicy gossip. I mean, juicy gossip. And you are one of the very few people who knows that secret. There's so much temptation to pull that story out and to find a way to bring it into the next conversation you have with somebody. Good example, maybe your friend just gets a new dog. And they come up and they show you the new dog and, and you say, oh, that is such a cute dog. Speaking of dogs, did you hear what Lucy did the other day? She was a dog in her behavior. She didn't wear a mask into Walmart. Did you hear what she did? I mean, you just can take it and run with it and find ways to bring it up because it, once you get some information, it feels so good to want to be able to share it with somebody else. Now, you may ask, well, why is gossip sin? I mean, all you are is sharing a little bit of information that eventually everybody will know anyway. Because truth always rises to the surface. They'll eventually know it. What's wrong with sharing a little bit of information? Well, let me define for us as we dive into this today the issue of gossip here. Here's a definition that really, I think, summarizes it beautifully. Gossip is talking about someone else's personal situation when you are not a part of the problem or the solution. Gossip is talking about someone else's personal situation when you are not a part of the problem or the solution. The reason gossip becomes such a temptation is because it strokes at your ego to have significance. 
really at its core, gossip is just your way of feeling good about yourself. Because if you find something damaging about somebody else's story, by telling it, it makes you feel better because you are making a better decision than that person. So when you say to someone, can you believe what he did, the translation in that moment is, I'm better than him. And that feels good. Let's be honest. That absolutely feels good. So gossip is a very natural part of the fleshly desire within us to feel better about yourself. Well, let me show you just a few verses, and then we'll go into a story of of how to handle gossip in a healthy way. But I want to show you consistently how God has addressed the issue of gossip. Here are just several verses real quick. Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. How many times have you had a friendship come to ruin because somebody said some things they should not have said. Again, we all are hurt by your need to feel good in the gossip. It affects us all. You all. Do unto you all as you would have them do unto you all. Psalm 101, verse 5. Whoever slanders their neighbor in secret, God promises, I will eventually put that person to silence. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up and according to their needs. Did you hear what he said? To build others up, not tear them down, that it may benefit those who listen. So notice what he's saying. When you're talking about somebody else and you build that person up, you're actually helping the person you're talking to because you're modeling for them. Remember? We are in community. And so when you don't gossip about that person, but you find something good about them and you lift them up, you actually help the person you're currently talking to because you're modeling good behavior. We're all affected by gossip. Even if you think, hey, that person deserves, look at how bad they were in their behavior. What you're doing is when you talk to somebody else secretly, you're actually modeling for them and bringing them down in their own spirit as well. That's what Ephesians is getting at. James 1.26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongue, they deceive themselves. And their religion, it's worthless. So the question before us, how do we stop the gossip when it comes to you? Because as, again, we're gathering in different places, gathering back in schools and gathering a little bit more in church now, how how do you handle it when you, we got to get back to social behavior, not just the protecting of each other physically, let's protect each other spiritually, uh, protect each other emotionally. I want to take you into a story of the very first time in the Bible we have recorded evidence of gossip. Have you ever read this? I I bet every one of you have read the very first time gossip ever showed up. But you may never even realized that was the first time we have recorded evidence of gossip between people. It's the story of Noah. 
Now you may say, I know the story of Noah. Yeah, you probably do. But there's a part of it that is so deeply profound in how we can live in collective humanity that it'll bless us in tremendous ways. Now, you know the story of Noah. Noah was living in a time when everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And so there was a just, it was anarchy, sin running rampant, all sorts of evil all around. And, and God, in a grievous sense, a heartbroken, says, I need to start fresh. And Noah was told to build an ark. And, and of course, you know how the story goes out. And, but imagine what it was like for Noah as he has now these 100 years, these decades and decades and decades and decades that go by And he has to build this huge ark in the middle of a desert, in a place where, to this point in history, there had been no rain. It says that the firmament, there was a firmament in the sky, and there was water that would come up from underneath to water the vegetation. People didn't even know what rain was. And he says, it's about to rain. And people are like, what's rain? I don't even know what it is. So imagine the, I mean, Noah was not a weak man. He took political pressure. There was gossip about him like crazy, I'm sure. Can you believe that crazy guy? He's building a boat for what? There's no ocean nearby. Well, here's how the story plays out as we go to Genesis chapter 9. I'm going to start at at verse uh, 18. We get to a place now where, the and as you know the story goes, the, the flood happens and it says that the waters were so high, they were higher than the highest mountaintop. This is not a, a children's story. It's funny to me that we decorate our kids' nurseries in, <laughs> in the Noah's Ark theme sometimes. And I just think, if you just take that picture of Noah and his family smiling and just drop that picture just a little bit, it's like the goriest story in human history. And we make it a children's story. It's, it's anything but. You have death and destruction everywhere. It's one of the most gruesome stories in all of the scriptures. Now they after 150 days uh, of just floating on the water and all the death that has happened, water starts to recede and it says they see land. And they come upon the dry land and God says, now I want you to do one thing, really two things. I want you to repopulate and I, and I want you to take dominion over the land. So now Noah, which the scriptures say 950 years he lived, And I'd take those to be literal years. It said after this time, he reduced it down to the human lifespan of 120 years. Then the American diet came in, and it reduced down to 70. Anyway, that's a whole other sermon altogether. But uh, Noah was uh, told, okay, I want you to take dominion. And, And so he had lots of time on his hands now, lots of time. You think you have a long life. That's a long life. Verse 18, the sons of Noah who had come out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham, the scriptures say, was the father of Canaan. These were the three sons of Noah, and from them came the people who were scattered over the whole earth. Now we see in the next verse that Noah, with his time, he does one thing that is really fun in taking dominion. He starts to plant gardens, and he plants a vineyard. Verse 20, Noah, a man of the soil, he loved to work as a gardener, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. 
that vineyard comes to fruition and he makes some wine. And it says, verse 21, when he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and he lay uncovered inside of his tent. So if you've ever watched a story and after the credits roll, the happily ever after, have you ever kind of wondered after the, after the story is done, what happens with all of their time? Well, here we have the protagonist in this story filled with lots of time. He's miraculously taken his family and protected them through the, the greatest turmoil in human history. And now he's got time. And what, what is the happily ever after? Well, we see here him really not handling his downtime very well. He gets drunk and he lays naked in his tent. I, I would say it's pretty impressive that he stayed in a privacy location. He did not lay naked in the field. So he wasn't such, you know, such a foolish drunk that he just passes out in the middle of, of the family. The very next verse, 22. Ham... The father of Canaan, he's the youngest son, Ham is the youngest son, saw his father naked and went out and told his two brothers outside. So we have here Noah who has sinned. He got drunk. Granted, I mean, he was in quarantine with his family for five months. We don't know what that's like. This is a total, I mean, you can't get, it's literally the same amount of time we've been in quarantine to this point. And so Noah's at a point where he's like, I've been with my family, I can't take it anymore. I need to blow off a little steam. Now granted, he doesn't do it in the healthiest of ways. But I bet a lot of us can relate. I, I don't know how to handle the stress of this moment. I'm just like pent up and so frustrated. And that's how Noah's feeling. And so he gets, he gets drunk, of course, and he passes out. Well, notice what his son does. His son comes in, sees his father naked, and he immediately gets filled with all of this, like, I've got to tell somebody. I've got a juicy piece of gossip. And he, he runs out, and he tells a quarter of the world. That's a fact. There's only eight people left on earth, and he tells two of them. So you want to talk about a viral tweet I mean, he tweets this out. Hey, brothers, you wouldn't believe what just happened. Dad is drunk and he's naked and everything's just showing like this is embarrassing. And he's filled with all of this gotta tell somebody kind of gossip inside. See, there, I told you a little while ago that gossip, I think at its core, is we love to tell about somebody else's failure because it makes us feel about it, good about ourselves. But there's a second reason why people sin, and it's to fit in. Isn't it fascinating that his first instinct was to go and connect with his brothers? And you can imagine the psychology. If you're a youngest child in your family, sometimes there's that desire to want to fit in. And his older brothers may have had a closer relationship, and Ham always felt like the third wheel. Now Ham gets all of this information and he's so excited. The first thing he knows how to, what to do is, I'm going to go tell my brothers. And I, I wonder, it doesn't say it implicitly, but I can just sense the, the, the motive behind it was now my brothers are going to like me because I've got this new information. And he's so excited to tell it. 
again, check your motive. We've talked about motive many, many times in church. When you are about to make a decision to, to speak poorly about somebody else's story, why not stop and ask the question? And to really get into the motive here, am I just trying to make myself look good? Am I trying to just fit in with the crowd? So I'm going to put down my boss? I'm going to put down my teacher, uh, the popular kid in school, because now I'm going to become popular if I put them down? If I can tweet this stuff out, if I can Instagram this picture, oh, is that going to get me a lot of, a lot of views and a lot of likes? And, and boy, am I going to be popular now. Check your motive. Ham didn't do that. Ham just, it says, he just went and he told his brothers. So what's beautiful is Shem and Japheth, the older brothers, did what I've talked about in church many times that I ask our leadership to do. When you hear any information about somebody, I want to encourage you, every one of us carries two buckets. One is filled with water and one is filled with gasoline. And when you see a fire brewing, if you're going to be a Christ follower, if you're going to live with a, a, a sense of loving others, doing unto others as you want them to do unto you, then I would encourage you to dump water on that and deal with that problem rather than put gasoline on it and spread it more because gossip destroys. And like the, the, the riddle I read in the beginning. So verse 23, Shem and Japheth, they poured water on the problem. Look at what they did, verse 23. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and they laid it across their shoulders and they walked in backward and they covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not even see their father's nakedness. What love. That's golden. You want to talk about living the golden life. That is golden. I wonder if they even thought, what would I want done to me if I was in this very, very embarrassing circumstance? And so they don't even look at their father's nakedness. They walk in and they cover their eyes and they look in the other direction and they cover their father up. And I, I want to share with you here about this idea of covering versus covering up. There is something so beautiful about covering and protecting. That's showing respect. They didn't really cover, see, cover up, when you do a cover up, that's a sense of we're going to keep it secret. We're going we're gonna to keep it as nobody will ever know about this, but they absolutely would know this is going to become public. The son has already started to talk, the other brother, and so I'm sure he's talking to mom now and talking to the, to the wives, and I'm sure it's spread to the whole world by now. And so they covered. There is something so beautiful when somebody is hurting don't cover it up. I'll, I'll talk about that in just a minute. Cover. Respect. Love them in their vulnerable state. And then you can deal with it. And that's exactly what they did. Verse 24, watch what happens when Noah wakes up. Noah awoke from his wine. Oh, what a headache. He didn't say that, but he probably felt it. And he found out what his youngest son had done to him. And he said immediately, Cursed be Canaan, the lowest of the servants. He will be to his brothers. He also said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Shem, 
May Canaan always be the servant of Shem. May Japheth, or, and, and may God extend Japheth's territory. And may Japheth live in the tents of Shem. And may Canaan be the servant of Japheth. Now, this is not a sermon on parenting. I want to be clear. I would not be going to this message on parenting because it's really, I, I think, an unhealthy way for Noah to handle his embarrassment. Because if you want to talk about, we've talked about emotional and how we don't deal with our emotions, and we've talked about this before. Deal with what you're feeling first, and then you can deal with it in a healthy way. And I'm sure he's filled with all sorts of shame and embarrassment. So all he knows how to do is react quickly, and it's a very unhealthy response. And he curses his son out. So much so that remember what I said before, that this is communal. Your gossip, your reaction to life, is, is, it hurts and affects so many people, or it helps and blesses many people. And in this moment, he curses out his son. People actually have used these words in this unhealthy response. It's bad parenting. It really is. He should have gotten his emotions under control and talked to his son privately and dealt with this in private and then publicly found a way to talk about it as a family. But he, he didn't do it. He instead puts a curse on them. And politically and really publicly both, for, the, for thousands of years to come, you have the Canaanites now fighting Israelites. And so he put a curse on the whole family bloodline. I mean, this is a fascinating story. It's loaded with layers. All sorts of messes. But that's what I love about the scriptures because it's really human. I'm so glad that, that God teaches us and shows us the big pictures on, on how our forefathers have gone before us and have had some major fails. And people have actually used these verses to actually endorse and say Scripture encourages slavery. Because the word there is not servant, it's actually slave. Ham will be the slave to Japheth and to Shem. And uh, that doesn't mean God endorses it, just so you know. I think that's a terrible interpretation when people have used justification for slavery with these verses. That is a terrible interpretation of Scripture. God doesn't endorse it. God is just showing what uh, the consequences of Noah's behavior. But there's all sorts of shame and embarrassment in all of this. But at the core, what it's showing is that verse I read earlier about gossip. Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse person stirs up conflict. And a gossip separates close friends. Our gossip doesn't just put down the person that you're trying to put down. Our gossip models for this person who then maybe does the same thing about that person, who does that next thing, and you watch the gasoline fire spread like the, the damage and the pain that's happening in California, Oregon, and Washington. This is serious stuff. And so I challenge you to ask the question, am I a gossiper? How do I handle information when I get it? Because if we're going to truly be golden, if we're going to be Christ-centered in the way that we live our lives, we are going to think about doing unto others as we would want them to do unto us. So the question you may have is, okay, what do I do then? Well, there's really only two people you should ever talk to when you get gossip, when you get juicy information. First, you talk to the Lord. 
We just did a series on hearing God's voice. God listens to you. God speaks to you. The same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead with power will infuse you with his power and with his wisdom and with his counsel. And so when you hear this information, the first thing you should do is take that deep breath. Step away from the emotion because man, does it feel good when you get good information about somebody. Take a deep breath and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Guide me, Spirit. And God will. And rest on it. Take some time. Listen to God's Spirit. And I said, secondly, go to the person. You see, when, when you go to the person, you have an opportunity then in that moment to truly bring a blessing into their life by having a conversation. Jesus says it in Matthew 18 where he says, if you have a problem with somebody, go talk to that person directly. Deal with this in a very healthy way. Because if you don't, what all it's going to do is just continue to hurt you all. You're not doing unto you all as you would have all do unto you. This is a communal issue. We need to care for it. And that's why you say, yeah, but you'll never know my boss. He deserves to be brought down. She's horrible in the way she treats people. Yeah, but so what? That's between them and God. Trust the Lord, that the Lord will lift you up in due time. It's not your job to chop others down to make yourself get ahead. It never works. You may think you've scrambled to the top, and look at I've arrived. You're going to be so lonely at the top because everybody now knows they can't trust you because of your gossiping tongue. It destroys. It's a fire. It's the strongest muscle. Isn't it interesting that your tongue is one of the strongest muscles in your body? Ah, it does so much damage. And, uh, you know, as I, uh, in fact, as a church, we want to keep dealing with this over and over and over again. We're in just a quick sidebar. On October 17th, we're going to have another equipping weekend. We've been doing many of these now, equipping weekends, where we train and equip you how to live well in this world. And the theme for that, one of the teachings is going to be crucial conversations. How to have a tough conversation with somebody when you really need to confront them when you need to deal with them. And I love that we're not afraid to talk about this as, as a church uh, personally. If you have problems with leadership in the church, go to the leader. Go talk to them. If you have a problem with me, talk to me. I, I'm telling you, I'm accessible. I, you, and many of you have found, you can, even if you don't have my personal email, you can just find me on Facebook. Everybody does. It's just a whole new day and age. I've stopped trying to hide. <laughs> there's, there's no way to hide from you guys. You can talk to me. Talk to the leadership and send me an email or, you know, you can just quickly get a hold of me at paulgartley at watermarkwesleyan.com. You'll get a hold of me. No problem. But, but in, in all, all seriousness, just let's keep talking as a people. It's so healthy for us as a church because as we stay healthy and get more healthy, we get to be a light in a world that is very unhealthy and where there's a lot of hatred and a lot of hurt. And so let's, as far as it goes with us, do unto each other as we will do unto them and them and them and be a model of what it means to be healthy in our communication with each other. You see, this is God's pattern throughout all of God's story in history. You know why I say that? Because God is in the business of helping to protect and cover you when you're hurting not cover up. God will always deal with the sin. But to cover you and to protect you when you're down. You know why I say that? 
Because in Genesis 3, I, I, I want to read this, we see God actually cover Adam and Eve. Did you know that? Think about how crazy the sinful Genesis story is. You have perfection, God living with Adam and Eve, and he says, don't do one thing. Don't touch the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they do. And sin enters the, this world. And, and God says to Eve, I have to punish. You have to be punished for your behavior. And so there's going to be great pain in childbearing. Then he says to Adam, he says, and you, mister. And he goes on and he says, there's going to be great pain in your life. And you're going to have to work. And your work that would have been rewarding is now going to be filled with toil and suffering. In God's disappointment and rage and justified anger at us, God shows us something beautiful, though. Genesis 3, verse 21. In the midst of all that anger and all that frustration, sin, brokenness, the relationship ended. We divorced God. Genesis 3, 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and what does it say he did? Say it out loud. He clothed them. God put his wrath on another sacrificial animal and killed that animal, took the skin, and he covered their sin. He didn't cover it up. We all know what happened. He covered it. In essence, saying, I'm for you. That's the pattern of God. In your sin, some of you may say, I can't help but gossip. I just gossip. That's what I do. I don't know why I do it. I just do. I feel like such a sinner. Ken, just stop talking. Get off the stage. I'm so feeling convicted right now. In that conviction that you feel, that is exactly why Jesus went to the cross. That is exactly. To take your sacrifice that you deserved, the death that you deserved, to cover you. 1 John 2.2, Jesus, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He, not only for our sins, but for the sins of the world. Jesus is in the business of covering and protecting you. In other words, saying, I know you feel like a failure sometimes. I know you can't keep your mouth shut sometimes, but I'm still for you. I'm still with you. I still want to help you start fresh today. So whatever sin you brought into this place today, whatever ways you've hurt others and have not been golden in your behavior, he will help you do unto others as you would have them do unto you. As you have a God who says, fresh start, let me cover you and protect you in this moment. And so I want to pray over each one of us as we begin to socially connect with people again in new ways and it's a little bit different for a while, but it's still very much the same principle of your words affect the world. So let's lift this world up with the blessings that we speak and handle sin in a healthy way. As the same God who covers you, let's protect others and talk to them and confront them directly and yet protect and love them in a way that we would want to be protected and loved. Let's pray. Lord, I know many a family has been destroyed because of this very topic today. And yet, Lord, you cover us and give us a fresh start. You forgive our sins and give us new life. 
Lord, I know many a business, many a school relationship, many a best friend has been lost because of gossip. I pray that that stops right now as far as it goes with us. That we'll be a people who speak life, who lift others up and bring life into this world. And so I thank you for the gift of community. I thank you for the gift of a fresh start. I thank you, God, for the gift of the the blessing of yet what is to come in the season ahead as we live as a people who are golden because we follow the Savior who has died for us to give us the ability to walk in your ways. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for for the amazing grace that you offer us today. In Jesus' name we say, amen.